So last week, David introduced the idea of us being hungry for God. Yeah? And, uh, great, okay. So the question I want to ask today is, who is? Who is hungry for God? You can answer it right now if you want. You can raise hands, you can jump up and down, I don't really mind. Just... Yeah. All right, there you go. Okay, okay cool, cool. So, my, my, so then the question then is, are you hungry for God? See, most of us would say so, or some of us would say so, or whoever raised their hands would say so, or whatever, right? But, but, but the question is, how? How are we hungry? What, what hunger is it? What does this hunger look like? You know, um, anyone thinking of uh, eating pizza right now? Oh, no. No? no? Cold pizza? No. Uh, from the night before? No? I like cold pizza. I think it's good. I think it's good. Cake? Anyone thinking of eating cake? Biscuits? How about, if, how about now I've mentioned them? Any, anyone thinking, ooh, ooh I, didn't, I didn't really think of that. That's, that sounds kind of nice. How about if I put them on a plate? Coffee? Can't eat coffee. <laughs> All right. I'm not actually going to go and serve anyone any of this, by the way. I hope you realise that. <laughs> but if I did put pizza on a plate and maybe some biscuits and cakes and pass them around... Anyone really, anyone take, I think some people would. I think some of you, especially the younger people, I think some of you would definitely take some. I think you would. Oh, I could do a bit of that. Oh, yeah, I didn't really think of that. You know, kind of serving hors d'oeuvres sort of thing. Is that, is that our hunger for God? No. Is that, oh, I could do with a bit of God, thanks, but only because he was brought to your attention. I could do with him, but I could do without him. If he isn't available, wouldn't really have thought about him. How about the hunger of a pregnant woman? <laughs> That's funny because Tam's craving pizza at the moment. She's, she's pregnant at the moment, by the way, if anyone hadn't guessed. And, um, and uh, yeah, so it's lot, I keep saying it's the last time, so it's the last time she's pregnant. But, <laughs> but yeah, she's craving pizza at the moment. But you know what? In a, a, like a week ago, it was, some, it was like some type of weird olive that I'd not really heard of. So I, I'm not really an olive guy anyway, so, but yeah. So, but she, she, you know, she changes her cravings here and there. Is that how hungry, your, hungry is for God, your hunger is for God? You know, you really, really want God today, but, but give it a day or a week. You might really desire something else. Are you starving for God? You know, someone who hasn't eaten for days on end will definitely definitely be thinking of food. And if they forget, their stomach will very quickly remind them. At the mention of my pizza and cake, someone here who was starving, would have, their eyes would have brightened and their heartbeat would have increased and mouth salivating, body trembling. Is that your hunger? Are you constantly aware that you need God? Are, it's so bad, it, really, it actually hurts you and you're not satisfied until you're, until you're filled and when you are filled, you need more. Is that your hunger? And I want you to be honest with which one it is. Because it's very important which one it is. And we should evaluate ourselves. See, it should be the last one. It should be starving. Because if it's not that, you will never be filled. And you will never be happy in God. That's how serious this is. And so I want to ask, who's, who's, who's happy in their Christian walk right now? You know, who, who, who's happy, right? Who's not? Who, who feels something, who feels something, who feels like they're actually not doing that well? You know, who, who, who feels kind of discontent with God at the moment, just, just, just unhappy and, and quite distant? You know, who, who feels like, who, who feels like that at the moment? And if you feel like that, do you want to move on? Do you, you want to move on from where you are? Do, do you want the happiness and joy you see in some other Christians in their lives with God? Because I see it in some people. And I think, wow, I want that. Is, is, do you want that? Or are you content with being unhappy? Sounds odd, but some people are. Do you want to be like the disciples in the Bible who had this supreme joy for God despite all persecution? Or like some of the famous preachers we see, I mean, I mean the good ones, the good ones, not, not, not the ones who preach nonsense, but the, the, the good ones who, who, who do good. You know, people like Spurgeon, John Piper, Francis Chan, someone who seems so content with doing the will of God always. 
Is that, are we hungry for that? If, you're, if you feel empty? For those who are happy now, and, and that's, that's brilliant, bless you, I'm so happy you are, because that, that's really good, that's a great place to be. My question is this, do you want more of that? Or are you content with staying in your state? That's good. <laughs> Excellent. Bless you. See, the problem with the world is happiness has become the pursuit of many. That's the problem with the world, and it's the problem with the church. Anyone seen this film, Pursuit of Happiness? Great film. I love it. I, I really like, uh, like Jaden's acting in this. <laughs> uh, it is a great film, and it's about a real man who, who chased after a specific job in order to get himself and his son off the street. Okay? Um, he's now, I, I, to be fair, I haven't chased up the facts on this, I'll be honest, but if, if he's still alive, he's a business owner. After this, he became a business owner, and he did really well for himself, and you know, he, was, he was all the way up there, and, and that was happiness for him. And it's, it's good, getting off the streets is, is, is a really happy thing, that's, fu- that's fine. But, but you know, it's, happiness is probably different for you guys. You know, it could be, it could be a new car or, or a, a well-paid job or, or a promotion or uh, it could be, you know, oh, that, you know that, that, that girl or that woman, I want to be with her or oh, that man, that guy, I want to be with him. You know, it, it could be that. It could be like you're searching for the perfect relationship or a husband or a wife or, or, you, or, or you want kids uh, or you want or some hobby that makes you happy, you know, like taking up guitar or collecting stamps. Or, I don't know. Or whatever. whatever. Every, everyone's got something different. Everyone, you know, everyone does stuff that... What, what, uh, everything people do in this life is in order to make them happy. That's what they seek. That, that is the end goal in whatever they do, whether they're paid, whether they're unpaid. Whether it's more destructive things like drugs or alcohol. Sometimes it's, it's to forget pain and just to move to where can I find happiness. Okay? Happiness has become the pursuit of many. But the Bible says that everything we chase on earth is temporal and doesn't lead to happiness, that it can never fill you. There's, there's, a, there's a scripture, I haven't written it down, and I'm not going to find it, but it's in, um, it's in Jeremiah, I believe, and it, and it talks about these cisterns. It's like you create these cisterns and, and to be filled with water, but they're broken cisterns. You hew them out yourself, and they can't fill you know, the, happy, the happiness you're trying to put into it, the, the fulfillment you're looking for, it just empties. You, you, you can't get it. And, and, and God says, you know, that's, that's not the way. Nothing in this world leads to happiness. And we know that. We know it's fleeting. We know it doesn't hold the fulfillment we're seeking. We know it's true because whenever we attain what we're after, in order to be happy, the feeling only lasts a while. Yeah. Could be minutes, could be seconds, could, might be a week, you know. Might be a whole month or a year if you're really... You know, lucky, you know. But, but it, it's, it, it's temporal. It's, it's, it's like, you kind of feel, where has it gone? And then after it, we either want something else or more of the same thing in order to keep it alive. But the more we have it, the more it deadens us, and so we eventually do kind of move on. But, but that's, that's the things of the world. See, true happiness, as corny as it does sound, can only be found in God. And the people hit a problem with that is because we need to actually seek it and we need to seek it correctly. We need to seek it in the right way. So I'm going to explain that. Now, I recently watched Wally. Anyone seen that one? Yes. Excellent. And I'm going off all these films today, right? I've, I've, I've watched this about, I don't know, like 100 times now because my kid loves it. So, uh, I'm, I'm, and I'm actually not sick of this one yet. <laughs> I'm not sick of this one yet. But, but for those who don't know, this, this is a Pixar film. I love Pixar films. And it's, it's about a small robot who ends up saving these people in this massive spaceship, right, that's been floating around in space for the last 700 years. And, and they're up there because they polluted the world and, uh, and took what should have been a five-year vacation in space while loads of little robots would clean up everything for them. Uh, and, um, but it all goes wrong because the Earth becomes too toxic because of all the waste they had. And uh, so they're up there being catered for by every type of robot imaginable for their health, for their food. They don't even, they don't even eat. They, they, they drink. You know, everything's a drink. Everything's a drink. And, uh, and they don't walk either. And uh, here's some of them. And, um, <coughs> and so, so yeah, they're just kind of just surviving and you're just, just getting on with things and, and all that. And at one point in the movie, the captain of the ship 
discovers, who doesn't really do a lot apart from give announcements, is uh, discovers that the earth is habitable again, that life can be sustained on earth again. And so he argues with the ship's autopilot, who is also a robot, um, and, and, and he demands to go back to earth. And the autopilot tells him, no, sorry, <laughs> but, oh well. but anyway, the autopilot tells him no and says, no, here you will survive. Now, most of us have come to this state as Christians where we just want to survive. We can only wait out the time on earth till we die or Jesus comes. If we can only just do that, and then we'll really enjoy heaven and later. So, so this earth kind of stinks. I'll just you know, play some video games or watch some TV or do whatever I do in life. And, uh, and, but I'll, I'll really enjoy heaven. I'll really enjoy heaven. I'll be really living there. But Jesus said he came so that we can have life now yes. and have it to the full now. Right? It's not just reserved for heaven. We have it now. We can have it now. And if we don't have it now, then what makes you think you'll get it in heaven? What makes you think it'll be there and not here? See, Jesus is life and he comes to live inside of us. That is life. If we don't have life, there's a major problem. It's a major problem because, because if we don't have life, then surely we don't really have anything and we don't really have any way of getting to heaven. See, we all want to die well. Okay? I believe there was an old song about that. We all want to die well and go to heaven and have a great eternity. But those who get there have to live for God now. You know? Most people crave the, the death of the righteous. Like, like Balaam, he, he, he's like, oh, Lord, let me die the death of the righteous person to go to heaven and all that. The problem with Balaam is he didn't live the life of a righteous person. And so he wasn't going to get the death of one. He needs to live for God. Not just hope to live later on. And this means, abandon, this means really loving him now and abandoning our pitiful survival. Okay? This is what the previous three Beatitudes that I talked about were before. You, uh, I'll, I'll quickly listen to you. So you have nothing of worth to offer God. You are full of sin, and you should be upset about that. You should, okay? at every point and every turn. And you need to let go of your own self-reliance and your pride and rely on him, giving him everything that is yours. And then this next beatitude that I'm talking about, uh, blessed, are the, um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Um, this changes things around. Instead of talking about us now, about us needing to give this up, us needing to be poor, us needing to whatever, right? It, it turns around and says now what we need to be filled with. It gives us kind of the answer to all of this. It says we need to be filled with him. We don't, we're not just empty, we're not Buddhists, we're not, we're, not looking, we're not looking for a state of nirvana, we're not trying to seek to empty ourselves of everything, we're seeking to be filled with God. But are we scared of having too much God? Are we scared of it? See, some of us say, oh, I'll only have a little bit of God with my life, thank you very much. But, but when you say that, well, all you're really saying is, I don't really, God, want to give you the parts of my life that matter the most to me. I want to hold on to this still, and I want to still do this, and I don't want you to change this. You can have this, and you can, you know, I'll go to church, and I'll do this, I, you know, I'll do that. Don't take this, don't take this from me. That's all you're really saying if you only want a little bit of God. But in order for you to have a healthy relationship with God, you need, he needs all of you, and you need all of him. You do need all of him. And that's the great thing. When you give all of yourself to him, you get all of him. And that's great, because he is life. He is life. You get all of life. You can't just have a part of life. You have all of it. Yeah? Yeah? Do you want life, church, is my question today. Do you really want to live and not just survive your Christian walk on earth? Back to my Wally story. This, this captain. There we go. Picture of him. <laughs> right? When, the, uh, when this... When this ship robot thing offers survival, the, the captain passionately responds, you know what, I don't want to survive anymore. I'm sick of doing nothing. That's all anyone on this blasted ship has ever done. Nothing. I don't want to survive. I want to live. Is that our cry today, church? Are you sick 
of surviving as a Christian while you hear of others that are truly living for God on the front lines. And people are. That's the thing. People are living this real life forgotten. You can't take away their passion, you know. These people in, in Asia and Africa and wherever else. And there are people here in the West as well. But, like, you know, do, do you want to bring that same spirit here? It, it seems so empty and, and so kind of lost in the West. But don't you want to bring that back here? Because it was like this here. It was like it. That's, I, want, I want that again. I want us to be excited. I want us to really live and really experience the Holy Spirit. See, Christians, especially young Christians at the moment, are, are growing restless. And they know something's wrong with this kind of apathetic Christianity that's sweeping, sweeping our world. Okay? They desire something deeper with God. I see it. A lot of young people are, are stirring. Okay? There is a stirring. Are we ready to join it? Bible says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. So allow me to stir you today, church, and uh, I pray you do the same for me at some point as well, because I need it as well to be stirred. So uh, let's talk about righteousness. So what is hunger and thirst? Okay, I said earlier that true happiness can only be found in God, but we need to seek it, and we need to seek it the right way. So what is the right way? Well, first things first, we need to realise what the goal is. What are we hungering and thirsting for? Well, the answer would be God, I guess. Right? All right, but what about him? I guess to be with him, right? All right. Now how? See, the goal of the Israelites to be with God, but they didn't do so well. And the, and the goal of Adam and Eve before them was God's job. And that's what got us in this whole mess in the first place, you know? What are we aiming for? We can't just be aiming just... I mean, we are aiming just for God, but there's something specific. And it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we need to get the goal right, and the goal is righteousness. All right, so what's righteousness? Righteousness is us being right before God. You can look... You can take the uh, E and the O out and be right us. So us being right. Okay, all right. Okay, so how do, we get, how do we get righteousness? The only way to get righteousness is by wanting it. Right? That might sound confusing, but I'll, let me explain. So in the beginning, uh, God created everything and Adam and Eve messed up, yeah? And they believed the lie from the devil. They tried to take God's throne. They failed and they got kicked out of his presence. And this resulted in sin, which is also labelled unrighteousness. And this sin attached itself to Adam and Eve and every child they gave birth to, which includes us. We are unrighteous to God. Okay? In our normal state, we are unrighteous. In order to be with him, though, we need to be righteous. This is critical to understand because this now means that righteousness isn't just another means of being happy. It's not another means like everything else. It is the only means of being happy because without it, you won't be able to be with God. And if you are not with God, there is no eternal life in heaven. If there is no eternal life in heaven, there is only death and hell. And I can promise you there is no happiness in hell. Anyone want righteousness a bit more if you didn't want it before? So, okay, if it's that important, how do we get it? God sets out two ways. Here's the first. For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commandments the Lord our God has given us. Deuteronomy. Brilliant. Okay, obey all his commands. Well, I vaguely remember there was like ten of those, right? And okay, so I'm not... Not really, I can't remember murdering anyone. Um, Yeah, uh, I I haven't committed adultery. Uh, My wife might be bothering me a bit, but I'm I'm remaining faithful to her. And oh, uh, yeah, no, I think think I stole ages ago. And oh, yeah, no, I I only tell little white lies. So I'm doing well, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I think I've got this, I think I've got this down. I've got this down. Sadly, some of us do think like that. And Sadly, it's, it's not right. It's a nice try, but there are actually 613 commands in the Old Testament. 613. And you have to obey every single one of them. And if you fail once at any point, you will only be marked as unrighteous and you will never get to be with God. 
It says, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness at any point and commits injustice, he shall die. He shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered. So Jesus says, therefore, you must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Exactly the same. And then Joshua just gives, us, just gives it to us straight. I like this. This is a great verse. I can't believe I've never found this before. You are not able to serve the Lord because he's too good. He's a holy God. He's a, and he's a jealous God and he will not forgive your transgressions and he will not forgive your sins. Wait a sec. He won't forgive our sins? That's not what I heard at Sunday school. Well, I tell you what, that is right. He won't forgive them because he can't forgive them. I'm going to go quite solemn here, but imagine a child serial killer and rapist on trial, okay? And at one point, he's, let's say he's really sorry about what he's done, and he begs the judge to let him off, saying, Judge, I am so sorry. I can't believe I did this. I'm so sorry. I, I, I want to change. I'm going to change. And let's say he really is. Let's say he's had a complete change of heart and all that. Should the judge let him off? Should the judge let him off? No. It'd be ridiculous. Of course he wouldn't. He shouldn't, rather. If he did, the jury in the nation will hold curses down on this judge. You know, the judge will be labelled as incompetent and just as bad as the man on trial. God is not a bad judge. He won't forgive your sins. Punishment needs to be paid. And in our case, it's an eternal punishment because we have sinned and rebelled against an eternal God. That is the truth. And we need to know that because the next part is so important. So why label obeying his commands as a method to obtain righteousness if we can't do it? Because it is. And, 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 and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Actually, it's the only way of becoming righteous, but we're not good enough to do it. That's where Jesus steps in. See, Jesus became human, and he obeyed every human, rather, and he obeyed every single one of those 613 commands flawlessly. Okay? He never lacked in a single area. And then he took that punishment that God can't forgive, lest he be a bad judge, and he's not bad anything, okay? and he paid it himself. It's an eternal punishment, but Jesus is eternal, unlike us, and so paid it in one go. He then raises us from the... Uh, sorry, he raises himself from the dead, holding righteousness in his hands. He has the power of a righteous life and payment for sin. And if anyone comes to him... He will give them both to them freely. Your unrighteousness will be paid for. And the righteousness that you seek, that you need in order to be with God, he will give you. We get it from him. Obeying the law is the only method of getting righteousness. Jesus got it. And now he will give it if you come to him. It's Jesus is the righteousness we seek. Behold him there, the risen lamb. My perfect, spotless righteousness. Philippians says he is the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And we also have the song, I'm, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' death and his righteousness. Yes. That's it. I think I've... There we go. So do you see now that the only way of gaining righteousness is by wanting it, not by doing it. See, we can't produce righteousness ourselves. I've explained that, and you know, we're just not good enough. We're just not good enough. If we try to live up to God's law, we will fail. And to those who do try to work their own righteousness, this is what God calls it. Filthy rags. For those who don't know Hebrew, which I'm uh, ancient Hebrew, which I'm certain most of you don't know ancient Hebrew, that is our modern-day equivalent of a used tampon. Now, that, that's a bit strong and disgusting, right? But that's the whole point of the scripture. That's how disgusting it is. That's all God sees. All your hard work, that's what it's worth to God. Every little bit of it. Because you're so stained by sin. There's nothing you can do to, to, to look righteous before God. You know, um, Paul, in the, in, in the New Testament, he calls his, his works of righteousness dung. 
There's a stronger word we use in our modern culture for that, which I won't use, but that's exactly what he meant. It is completely and utterly worthless, and it's actually offensive to God that we think that we can work for his righteousness when we are so disgusting. If you are satisfied at all by what you do for God, any of you, you are missing out completely. I promise you. If going to church and giving to charity, attending prayer nights, reading the Bible is enough for you, if that's your defense before God at the end, when, when, every, when he's judging everyone, if you say, yeah, I went to this and I did this and I did that, if that's your defense, you're in trouble. You're in trouble because the only words he has for you is, I never knew you. And that might sound strong, but that is not me. That is the Bible, which I would have hit, but I don't have one in front of me. So, <laughs> you know, it, that, that's where it is, okay? You know, you have these people, and they say, hey, you know, well, God, I did this for you. And this is what the scriptures roughly say. I did this, and I did that. You know, I, I cast out demons, and I prophesied, and these mighty miracles, and oh, and I did this, and I did that. And he says, you know, that's exactly my point. You did that, but you are tainted by sin, You didn't come to me. I never knew you. You did it. Well done you. Unfortunately, it's not worth much. I'll go with the unrighteous, where they'll perish. That's how strong it is. That's what relying on our works does. That's the end. That's where the end is for that. Our works gain death. Gaining righteousness ourselves is impossible, but Jesus did the impossible for us. We can only receive righteousness from Jesus. He alone has righteousness. He gained it by living a perfect life, dying and being resurrected. And the best thing is he gives it as a free gift. I don't know if I've got this up. No, I haven't. It says the free gift, it says uh, in Romans that it's the free gift of righteousness. And in Romans again, it says it's the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, so, so we have to receive it. There's no other way. It's a gift. You receive a gift. Okay? So how do we do it? The answer is by wanting it. But you have to want it. I mean really want it. Like I said earlier, you have to be starving for it. That is the only way. Okay? Um, there's, there's, a, there's a scripture that says, um, you know, in Jeremiah, that says, uh, you know, uh, if when you seek me with all your heart, then you will get me. When you seek diligently after me, you will be fa- I will be found by you. Okay? You have, to, you have to want it. Best are those who are hungry to the point of starvation and thirsty to the point of dehydration for his righteousness, for only they shall be satisfied. Now, before I go into what hunger and thirst really looks like, or practically looks like in our lives, I want to deal with the satisfaction, for only they shall be satisfied. I want to deal with that. This word is also translated filled in other versions of the, of the Bible, for only they shall be filled. Okay? Uh, what have I got here? <laughs> so, uh, so when we accept Christ for the first time, we are immediately filled with his righteousness and are made perfect towards God. That's it. Okay, we are filled. We are filled. That it doesn't empty. We are filled. Okay, despite our issues and our problems and the mistakes we still make, despite our, 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 we, that we still fall into sin here and there, that is how we are. We are perfect, made perfect because of Christ, because He is perfect and He is part of us. Right? But it doesn't stop there. Has anyone ever had a meal that you kind of that filled you up, but it kind of tastes like so good? Like you, you just want more, you know, you kind of lick the plate of the bowl and you kind of s- s- get some stuff out of the pan and, you, you know, if, if you're really brave, you lick the pan, um, whatever, you know. Uh, has, has anyone had a meal that just tastes that good? You're just like, wow, that's good. I, I've had a few meals like that. I've had a few meals like that. I just, I, I'm full, but you know what? I want more. You know, I'll, I'll regret it later. I don't care. You know, it's that sort of thing, right? <laughs> but well, that, that's, that's kind of what it's like in a sense. It's kind of. Any metaphor we bring is imperfect, but that's kind of what it's like. See, we're filled with Christ and his righteousness, yet it's so good, we want more of it. Okay? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the Christian is one who at one and the same time is hungering and thirsting, and yet he is filled. 
And the more he is filled, the more he hungers and thirsts. And that is the blessedness of this Christian life. It goes on and on, perfect yet not perfect, hungering, thirsting, yet, not, yet filled and satisfied, but longing for more, never having enough because it is so glorious and so wonderful. This feeling of satisfaction isn't just a one-time thing, church. It's, uh, it's not just something that happens at the moment of our salvation. That's it, you know. It completely fills us. Okay? It continuously fills us. It, it fills us and it gives us a hunger to be filled with more and more and more and became more and more and more perfect. Um, hopefully when you were saved, you had a great experience. I, I, I hope so, because I, I, I remember my baptism. And I, I, I felt, yeah, I'm so on fire for God now and this is, this is great. And, and, and it makes you happy. And it makes you satisfied, that first experience. But we're not called to just dwell on that first moment of salvation. We're called to move forward and carry on. We need to continue. We need to grow. <laughs> Do any of you, I hope, well, I hope you don't, I mean, no one dwells on their physical birth, right? Right? No? No? You don't think, oh man, I, I remember that day and how good it felt being alive, you know? Oh man, if I only felt like, like, like I did then now, oh man. man I, if you think that, you've got issues. <laughs> Promise you. <laughs> no, none, of us, none of us remember that. At least I hope they don't. <laughs> You know, and so we, we're not <laughs> we're not called to we're not called to that we're not called to that we don't we don't dwell on our physical birth we we get on with breathing and living and growing in the lives we live now in the same way we need to get on with our lives in Christ. Uh, Two Corinthians says we are all being transformed from one degree of glory to another. It's a continual process. It's a continual satisfaction. It's not you're filled once and you're done. It's you're filled and you, you, you need more. And you're given a, a deeper ability to be even more filled. Right? It's not that it becomes empty. You're just given a bigger glass. We never become content with where we're at as Christians. And we should never become content with where we're at as Christians. But we should continually press forward wanting to be more and more like Jesus. Francis Chan says, Is, is it possible to get enough or even too much God? Is there a point when a person could be satisfied with the amount of intimacy, knowledge, and power of God he or she experiences? I, I, I don't see how there can be because doesn't every encounter with God only cause us to thirst for him more? True. Church, we need to keep growing and growing and wanting more and more. I promise you now, if any of you are satisfied with where you're at, even if you are happy in God right now, which I, I think is brilliant, you know, if you're satisfied with your app, well, with where you're at and you're content with what you've attained, you are no longer moving forward. You become still, you stop, and you become stagnant eventually. That's just what happens. That's just, that's just how God has ordained it to be. And this is important to get a hold of because this is kind of why some of us have lost that passion and satisfaction and love and happiness in God. Because we, we, we think, oh, I'm saved, and then we, we just stop pursuing it. We need to hunger and thirst, as it says in this verse, in, in order to be satisfied. And if we stop hungering and thirsting, we will stop being satisfied. My Wally story earlier, you know, we should never want to just survive and grow stagnant. That is not the mark of a true Christian. We need to continually be satisfied. We need to continually hunger and thirst for righteousness. We need to continually hunger and thirst for the righteousness that fills and satisfies us. It might sound like I'm on loop a few times here, but it's important. It's important to get a hold of. What's next on my slides? Oh, yeah. Right. So what is hunger and thirst? How is it done? What, 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 what does it actually look like? Well, do, do we really do it? It's the, it's, it's the ultimate question. And uh, if we're not, then how does it done? How do we do it? How do we, how, do we, how do we get hold of it? The first thing you need to know is hunger and thirst is not passive. It's not a passive thing. If you want something, you will do everything in your power in order to attain that thing. Okay? You'll do everything you can as well to avoid anything that is against it or prevents you from it. Okay? It's, a, it's an action. I want, I want to make this clear. This, this, this will involve a lot of doing what I'm going to say next, but this is not to be confused with our works for righteousness. This is different. This is working to be in the right place to receive righteousness. Anyway, let's talk about hunger and thirst. So hunger and thirst is firstly, it's an obsession. Hunger and thirst is an obsession. If you really want something, it will be on your mind constantly. Okay? Romance, for example. 
Okay? I remember really liking this girl back when I was whatever. I wasn't 10 because I didn't know her then. And, you know, and, and I, I would... I, I remember... I remember I used to drive in, I used to get, well, I didn't drive, but I, I used to get a lift into school uh, with, uh, with my mate and his mum. And, um, and there's this girl I, I became infatuated with, right? And, uh, and I, I decided one time, I asked, can, can you stop and let me get out of the car? <laughs> and I, I walked with this, with this girl all the way to school, right? And, uh, and then the next day, I, I, I'd called and said, actually, I, I don't want a lift in anymore. And so... <laughs> And so I started meeting this girl, and I, I don't know, she, she probably found it really odd, <laughs> you know. I started, you know, since I mean, just, you know, just, it was just walking to school every day. And I, I made sure I was in the same crowd as her as well. I started associating with her friends. And I, 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 I got some pretty good friends out of that, actually, I have to say. Some, some friends who are still friends to this day. And I was, but that's it, I, I made them mainly because I wanted to spend more time with this girl and impress her more and stuff like that. And uh, she never went out with me. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was let down. But, 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 but she, she was on my mind, and, and you know, it, felt, it felt rubbish. I, I was looking forward to the next day with being with her and all of this stuff. And it was an obsession, you know. And, and, but but that's, that's what hunger and thirst is. It's kind of this obsession. And it's kind of, I need to, I, I, I don't want to be, and, and, and of course, when I first met Tam, of course. I was just, you know, I, and, and, and now. <laughs> Sorry, I need to defend myself. But like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know, you just want to be with that person all the time, and you and you need to be, and you, you kind of feel rubbish when you're not, and, and and that's that's how this obsession is. If you, it needs to be on your mind, you know, uh, and and you and you get irritable and uneasy when you're not with that person or with, with what we're talking about, righteousness. If you really desire it, you're going to be irritable and uneasy and you're going to be like, man, I, I really messed up today. I, you know, I, why did I do that? I really want righteousness today. We, know, we need to actively remind ourselves that we need his righteousness every single day of our lives. If we start to forget, our hunger and thirst will be dulled and we will stop pursuing. That is true. Okay? It's our top priority in life. We need to look at it every day. And if you don't have time, then make time. Famous saying, there's a will, there's a way. If you're really willing, you will make a way. I promise you. I promise you. If you really are hungry and thirsting, you will make the time you need. Hunger and thirst avoids the opposite of what it's looking for. Or longing for, sorry. We can't be righteous ourselves, right? I've stressed that, hopefully, enough. But we can avoid stuff that makes us more unrighteous. That is true. And we should avoid those things. We should avoid the things that we know, without a doubt, are bad, evil, and sinful. The things we know, without a doubt, and we should treat them like the plague. If someone has the plague, yes, you are not going near them, I promise you. If you know a house, or, or just a single person who is, has got some highly contagious, highly deadly disease, you're not going around that person. You're, you're going to move town or something, right? Okay? Same thing. Okay? Same thing. We need to avoid them like the plague. And, and, we don't, and we shouldn't just avoid the things that are bad and evil. We should also avoid the things that dull our hunger and thirst for God. Now, these will be things that are not sinful in their own right. They, they can't be condemned, and I won't condemn them. Okay? But they are things that we spend lots of time, too much time on. And they prevent us from wanting God. They're like snacks before a main meal or junk food that ruins our appetite. Okay? If we spend too much time with something and we find we want God less and less as a result, then we should think about that, and we should probably ditch it altogether. For me, it was computer games. I remember, and, and this is only like a year or two ago, okay? I, I was obsessed with them. I've been obsessed with them a lot of my life. And, and I've realized, even though I, I loved God and wanted God, they dulled it, and they stopped me wanting God more and more. So I eventually cut them off. I do not play computer games anymore, Okay? Now, I'm not saying that to be proud, but I, I, I want to say this as an example, because I'm not going to list a bunch of things that you already know are taking over your lives. Okay? You, know, you know what you spend too much time on, each of you, every one of you. Okay? You alone know what takes priority over God. If something is taking priority over God and you're spending too much time with that, you need to ditch it. If you can't spend more time with God than that thing, ditch it. Avoid things that dull our appetite, church. Hunger and thirst ensures it's in the right place at the right time. Church, if you are hungry and thirsty, like literally 
hungry and thirsty, not spiritually, we're talking literally now, like physically, with nothing to satisfy, you can't work for it yourself, you don't have anything, and someone's handing out food and water for free a mile away, you're going to do everything in your power to get there and get that food and that water. You'll make sure you're there to receive it. Okay? You didn't earn it, you didn't work for it, but you make sure you, you, you get there to get it. Yeah? It's different. It's not working for righteousness. It's being and making sure you're in the right place to obtain it. Okay? This is really important. Because if we're hungry and thirsty, we will not miss the opportunity of being in places where we can receive it. Jesus hands out righteousness, get this, in certain places. Okay? He hands it, you're not just going to sit in your armchair and wait. He's not going to do it there. There are certain places you need to go to to get his righteousness. I'm going to name some of them. Church. It took me ages finding a decent picture. This is a work of muster. But church, okay? God has called us to be one, yeah? He blesses us when we are one, okay? That's how he likes to deal with us. He likes to deal with us through each other, yeah? Okay? People who are hungry for God and yet have poor church attendance, are missing out. And they're going against their hunger and thirst for God. That's true. That is true. Okay? The Bible tells us that we, each other, are to sharpen one another and encourage one another to good works and to righteousness. We, you know, we need to hang around with people who are righteous. If, if you want to be more like someone, you're going to hang around with someone who's like what you want to be. Okay? That's just it. God prefers blessing us using another. Christian life is not solitary. The more we're together, the better. That's why we have small groups, and we make them small so we can actually communicate with each other. Okay? That's, 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 that's the reason we do it. So we, can, so, we can be, you know, so we can pray for one another and encourage one another, and so we can be more effective and become more righteous. You know? So we can forgive one another as well. That's important. But if you refuse to come to church and if you refuse to hang out with your brothers and sisters of Christ for whatever reason, I don't care about your reason. God doesn't care about your reason. Okay? If you refuse it, you are not hungry for God, really. Okay? Or you're just really missing the point. Okay? We need to be together. We need to be together often. We need to love each other. We'll receive grace. We'll receive righteousness that way. Second, Bible. <laughs> In this book... <laughs> It's the story of God's heroic salvation for a bunch of stupid people who hated him. That includes us, and they and who keep messing up. That's it. It's about his heroic salvation, his love for them. His love is in the Bible. Okay, Jesus is in there. The saints that love God and live in Jesus' righteousness are in there. But a lot of us don't find the time to read this. Okay for whatever reason, but we do find a lot of time to read the paper or or read a book, watch TV or catch the game or I I don't know what you guys do. It's kind of my earlier point. But, you know, um, I'm not going to condemn those things. I'm not going to condemn playing computer games. I'm not going to condemn watching TV. I'm not going to condemn any of that. But, you know, because they're not sinful, but, you know, if we... How do I say this? You know... If we can make time for those things, right, if we can make time for those things, then why aren't we making time for our Bible? Mm-hmm. Serious? I'm serious? You know, you know, his word's actually important. The other stuff is not important. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to condemn them, but again, if you're doing too much of that stuff, maybe you need to ditch it or at least really restrict it. You know, the Bible says of itself that it is living and it is active and has the power to convict us and change us and encourage us and give us what we need. That's the power of the God's living word. So read it more. Let's read it more. You know, I fail at it as well. Let's read it more. Prayer is another one. If Christ is the only one who gives us righteousness, doesn't it make sense that we should ask him for it? Daily, continually, every second, (laughs) you know. It says, ask and you will receive. And shouldn't we be spending more time with him than giving him just scraps at the beginning or the end of the day? I I ask that sincerely. I mean, most of us, a lot of us, and I certainly did, just give him scraps. Just like, oh, fetch God. You know, here's here's my prayer in the morning, here's my prayer in the evening. Done. The rest of the day is mine. If we really love and hunger for him, shouldn't we be praying throughout the day, really? I mean, you have these old saints who are like praying for hours on end. I can't do that. And David's preached about that before. 
Okay? Some of us are not equipped to, deal for, to pray for five hours, me especially. I cannot pray for five hours straight. But I can pray continually throughout the day. Because I love him, because I need him. And don't, don't just need him to get the promotion or need him to get my grades. I need him to, to be righteous. I need him to love him. And that, this is a great place to start for whoever is not hungry for God right now. Because I promise you, if you just ask him for that desire and that hunger, he will give it to you. I promise you. Because that's exactly what I asked him for a year ago. He gave it to me. Last one is extracurricular activities. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, eh? Uh, that sounds odd, but all, all I mean is just doing anything that enhances our hunger and thirst for his righteousness. That's all I mean by this. So whether that's reading good books, I mean good theological books about the Bible, whether it's reading uh, biographies about some of the great saints and, and getting encouraged by that, because um, they come to the righteousness we desire. Uh, it's not just res- resolved to reading so you're all right to each. <laughs> you know, this also uh, is, is about, you know, watching stuff that, that spurs us on as well. YouTube gives us access to hundreds of good videos as well as all the rubbish, okay? I, I've been watching um, about uh, Muslim, um, Muslim converts lately. It's incredible. It really stirs me. really stirs me. It's, it's amazing seeing how God is so faithful uh, to, the, to, to, to his people who he's called before time, these Muslims. You know, it's, it's really amazing that, that, that God would change their hearts. And some of them jihadists and all of that, you know. It's incredible stuff. It really spurs me on. But it's watching stuff like that, or watching good sermons, or watching whatever. Uh, the only thing I do is stay away from stuff like God TV and Premier Radio. A lot of it's kind of rubbish and over-secularized lately. Seek for good stuff. Don't just, wait. Don't just let someone feed you rubbish. Just, just seek out good food for yourself. Okay? So they're the four things, anyway, that I've had. Church, Bible, prayer, and extracurricular activities. Okay? And they are places that we freely receive his righteousness. They are places. So we should be wise and run to them. Just remember that doing those things, going to church, uh, reading your Bible, praying, uh, doing these extracurricular activities, are not a means to make us righteous. They are not works of righteousness. Okay? If you're relying on that, if you just go back to, back to my earlier comment, oh, I did this, I did that, I went to church, you're, you've lost. You've lost it. Okay? They are just places to go and receive it. That's where Jesus is giving it out. So we go to them and we say, please, Lord, thank you. And sometimes it can take time, you know. I remember when I first started really getting into my Bible again a year or so ago and, and just being like, God, I really want you now. I really want you. Please give me something. And for a few days, I got nothing, right? But we persist and we continue and we say, no, God will give something through this. I didn't receive anything today. Fair enough. But God will give me something. I'm persisting, you know? God will give it to you. He will persist. It's important. <laughs> so I want to I I leave you guys with, uh, with, one, with one thing. Okay, and it's a story about a man called Bartimaeus. Anyone heard of Bartimaeus? Yeah. Okay, he's a, he was a blind guy. He's in the Bible. And I'm, I'm going to read Mark's account. Now. I, think, I think Matthew, Mark, and Luke do the, the similar thing. But anyway, I'm going to read Mark's account. I don't think I have this. I've got a picture of it. There you go. Okay. Right, so Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho. And they were probably in Jericho for a while because then it says, and as he was leaving Jericho... <laughs> So he's probably been there a while, he's doing his preaching, his teaching, his healings. As he was leaving with his disciples and, and a great crowd following them, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many people rebuked him, telling him to be son, shut up, you old fool, shush. You know, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus eventually stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying, I'll take heart, get up, he's calling you. Come on, got your way. Right? And, uh, and he threw off his cloak and he sprang up and he ran to Jesus. Right? He came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Hey, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, teacher, please let me recover my sight. Please. 
Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Bartimaeus had a desperate need in his life, a lack of something that he knew he couldn't get by himself. He was physically blind, and that was a huge problem for many reasons. He would have been a burden on his relatives as he wouldn't have been able to have a job and support himself, and he wouldn't have, and he wouldn't have seen... Sorry, he would have also seen his blindness as a curse because of his or someone else's sin, because that's just the typical thoughts of the day. Um, there was a common belief back then. So all he saw was this, he was just being cursed and, and unable to provide for himself, and he was just a beggar. And, uh, and his life was lacking without his physical sight. But he, and he desired earnestly for healing. He wanted to progress beyond his present state and be free from the rut he was in, this stagnation and this prison. He knew that the answer to his problem was Jesus. Now you can read in Luke's account of this story that Bartimaeus had been sitting by the roadside for a while asking other people who were passing by. And he was eagerly waiting for Jesus. He was actively seeking him. He would have known he was in Jericho. Everyone knows where Jesus is when he's somewhere. You know, that's why the crowds flock to him. <laughs> he actively, Bartimaeus actively placed himself in a situation where he was going to have an encounter with Christ. He got in the way. This is important. Hunger and thirst is getting in the way. Okay, he got in the way. When others dismissed him and told him to be still and shut up, he shouted all the more and became more urgent. He made sure he got God's attention. And what became of it? Jesus heard his cries and he recognized his faith. His knowledge that only Jesus could and would heal him. His, his cries didn't heal him, church. Right? His, cry, his cries didn't heal him. His persistence didn't heal him. Everything he did didn't heal him. But Jesus impressed upon his heart so much that Bartimaeus generally believed in Jesus' power and acted out in faith to seek him. It was Jesus who healed Bartimaeus, nothing he did. And it was Jesus who satisfied his need. This historical event encompasses... It's a metaphor where, where us Christians need to be in our hunger and thirst for righteousness. Okay? We must recognize that we have a desperate need in our lives that we cannot fulfill of our own accord. Of ourselves, we are unrighteous and unfit to be in God's sight. We cannot function as children of God, be healed of our unrighteousness, and receive all the fullness of life unless we receive his righteousness. We are like blind beggars by the roadside, stuck in a rut, unable to progress. We must recognize this. The answer to our problem is Jesus. We must actively strive to put ourselves into situations where we will have an account with Christ and when we're ridiculed by others. And we must seek God all the more when we're ridiculed by others as well. Right? So, so watch as Christ increases your faith and you see him and ask him to bless you. In the end, Christ will turn to you and say, your cries, this is the end of the days, if this is, if this is our heart, if we're seeking his righteousness, at the very end, Christ will turn and say, your cries to me didn't heal you. Your persistence didn't heal you. But you saw after me, and you felt me impressing upon your heart. And, and there, it was there that you truly had faith that I could and would deliver you from your unrighteousness. And there that you saw that with, without me, you were nothing. There you realized that you were starving for me and, and parched for lack of my righteousness. It was there that I began to transform your heart and renew your mind. It was there that I began to give you sight and heal you from your unrighteousness. By my stripes you are healed. By my, unrighteous, my, my righteousness you are saved. Welcome home, good and faithful servant.